Whether you're a professional athlete or a seasoned corporate executive, it is easy to enjoy a lifestyle where a paycheck is calling all the shots. But is that sustainable forever? Welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit with Pete Gutekunst, founder of Good Financial Services and financial planner with Raymond James. Pete helps you financially bridge from the journey you've started through the life goals you've imagined. Sooner or later, by force or by choice, life takes turns. Listen as Pete discusses how to take charge and make your move on your terms with confidence. Who hasn't shopped online and then done the delivery or drive-by pickup thing? Check. Car service or taxis on demand? That's a check. Phone alerts and notifications? Check. How about those voice-activated web searches? Yeah. So much of life can be outsourced to technology, with one possible exception, your finances. Sure, you may be totally digital, or you may still use that paper checkbook ledger, but there is still one common denominator, the human touch. Your host, Pete Gutekunst, has some insights on the ideal intersection of financial apps and resources with our individual, yes, self-limiting human behaviors. Pete, over to you. Well, thanks, Patrice, and welcome back to Tell Your Boss I Quit. And I have to say, Patrice, when you say it like that, self-limiting human behaviors, it really sounds like a horrible, bad thing. Uh, but I think we're, you know, it's almost like we're better off with the machines just running around without us. But I would argue that the self-limiting behaviors, while it can be a problem in investing, and it's something that's probably the, the most difficult thing to manage, it's also can be a very useful and very important part of the financial process. And it's something that I don't think technology will ever fully be able to master. And that's why you have to bring the two together. And when it comes to financial technology, uh, the tech tends to be, I would say, a little too single focused. Uh, it's going to be something that's going to at, at times draw your attention away from what really matters and get you a little bit too hyper focused on whatever that app is serving to do. And it can cause what I refer to as the shiny object syndrome. And if you don't know what the shiny object syndrome is, it's simply, if you think about it, you're driving along and something catches your attention. And once you see it, you can't take your eyes off it and you're locked into that shiny object. It's like outside you're playing, you know, I've got a, um, my dog chief and I will be throwing a ball around and he's really locked in and playing Oop, squirrel. That's the shiny object syndrome. And so you can, you know, kind of get drawn into some, some of the wrong things. And I've talked about it before here on, on our podcast about our process, which is my financial bridge. And it is a website. It's something you can do on the phone, but it's really designed to be a visual organization tool to help you to look at where you are, what you've done. And also because it's chronological, you can be looking ahead to see what's coming. And so you can be prepared for that as well. But because it's a visual of what you've done, and because you've organized it that way, you need to go back and look at some of those things and make sure they still belong. Do they need to be updated? Do they need to be removed altogether? And if you're getting sucked into this shiny object syndrome, I think that's the issue with some of the technology. So what are some of these shiny objects and are they all bad? And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say a lot of the technology is good. It has a purpose. Uh, it has a place. You might outgrow it. 
uh, you might use it as a backup. But some of these tools uh, are going to have a, a little bit of some flaw to them because they're really trying to gear you to use their tool. Un unlike the concept or the philosophy that I just shared on the financial bridge, they're not trying to get you to go back and look at what you did. They're always trying to get you to do the next thing and move forward. And they want your eyes in that app because that's how they're going to drive their revenue, eyes on that app or ads that pop up. So they want you to keep coming back and utilizing the app. And sometimes that's a little bit a little bit overdone. So some of these shiny objects, well, if you do a, a Google search and you just look for what are the best financial apps, uh, there's a couple that will tend to bubble up toward the surface. And uh, and that's not necessarily meaning that they're the best or, the, or, or that search is really delivering the ideal result for you, but you'll see a few names that are going to pop up. Uh, one of them uh, that really came to be known well during COVID and since then is the Robinhood app. And so this is kind of a good example of what I would call a shiny object. This Robinhood app shows up on searches as a good financial app because it's cheap. Uh, you can buy stock very inexpensively. It provides some resources there to do a little bit of research. And it's really designed, I would say, uh, if some if you're working with someone and you say, hey, can we dabble in this, that, or the other thing? And your, you know, your financial plan or your financial advisor says, well, that's not quite, you know, kind of fit into what we're doing, or that's a little bit out there. Maybe you want to dabble and I'll call it kind of your play account. Maybe you're a little newer to investing and you're just trying to get your feet wet. And that's a challenge too, because if you are at the early stages of your financial bridge, you might not have the, the capacity to really work with a professional to get a lot of value, but you want to get a little greater understanding in how to invest. And so tools like that could be useful in that. So that's a good example. But I'll just read to you a couple of things that kind of throw off red flags for me for something uh, like this is one is uh, free cryptocurrency trading is on Robinhood. So first of all, I'm not really sure people should be really investing heartily in cryptocurrency. That's a whole other maybe podcast altogether. Uh, but you've got some young uh, inexperienced, newer investors, and they can go on and they can just get into something, uh, you know, as easily as that. IPO access is, is another thing they say on that. So to me, that's a little bit of a red flag because those are the shiny objects that are trying to get you to come back. Are you building a portfolio for the long run, or are you really just getting in there and trying to be a trader? And if you're not a professional investor, that can be a dangerous environment to go in. So that's where it, you know, there's a, a little bit of a maybe for the beginner, there's some help there. Uh, but also, I think you can get drawn into that shiny object. Another one uh, that that comes up often on a search is uh, Acorn, and Acorn's kind of an interesting category. Uh, this would be also a tool where you could do some investing online. And and the knock on this one is that it's a little more expensive than some of its competitors. Uh, Fidelity, for example, would have one that would probably be less costly. Uh, but the appeal here. And what we're also seeing in some of these financial apps is they'll ask you and give you a questionnaire and try to lead you into determining what kind of investment you should put together for yourself. And, and, that's, a, and that's not a bad thing. And I think many advisors uh, would start out, if you're working with a face-to-face a -face person, they might have a questionnaire. Uh, and the, what these tools are trying to do is they put you into a, what's called a robo-advisor. And so a robo-advisor is asking you a question or a questionnaire, and then they give you a portfolio uh, that they recommend based on the risk tolerance that questionnaire comes up with. And so this is where I think this is a great example of where I think the technology interacting with the human in interface uh, 
is really very, very important is if you just go online and do a questionnaire, they're going to give you a portfolio that takes the most risk that you say you're willing to take. And I don't know that that's necessarily, I personally don't believe that that's the right process to go through. I think you need to find out what your goals are, what it's going to take to achieve your goals. And then do you need to take a maximum level of risk? Why would you take risk that's unnecessary or at least take the risk that but because it's appropriate for the circumstances. These questionnaires are designed to tell you this is how much risk you think you can take. The other problem with a questionnaire is you take it in a snapshot of time. You say, this is how I feel about risk right now in this moment. And if it was 2009 after the financial crisis, you probably would answer that question very differently than you would several years later. And I have uh, people that I work with uh, they, I would say, are kind of middle of the road, moderate. They, you know, they understand investment risk, but they don't want to overdo it. Uh, but those same people might be calling me up and saying something like, "Hey, what do you think about cryptocurrency, for example?" Or, you know, energy did so great last year. Why don't we have more in energy? And and so you're like, well, that's a pretty volatile asset class, and that doesn't really seem to fit your. Um, your personality and what you're willing to take as an investor in risk. But that's kind of where, they, again, they go to that shiny that shiny object. So so with Acorns, they're going to put you into that, that kind of model. And then I just looked up one uh, as an example on a Forbes advisor review. And basically, the, uh, the outcome of that was that it put the person in a large cap index, US stocks, large cap index. It put them in a very broad general international index to put them in a mid and a small cap index. So those were the four investments of this questionnaire. So that was the limiting factor there of the robo-advisors. The technology is really slick. You can go in there, do a questionnaire, done, and I've got all things handled. So that's where I think the human interaction is so much more value there because that, that whole process is so much more nuanced than doing anything like that. Now, something that's unique, and this is where the technology can really be nifty, is uh, with Acorns, uh, you can tie it to a credit card. And if you spend $35 and, and 50 cents on something, that extra 50 cents can get rounded up and get added to your investment through the tool that you're using with them. So that's kind of a neat way to just put a little bit in savings and, and kind of get money moving along. So again, I think these apps are, these two examples are a little bit better for the uh, the person who's newer to investing is trying to get their feet wet, trying to get under, you know, get things rolling. Uh, but as things get a little more complicated, the technology, I would say, is actually a little bit limiting or self-limiting just because it doesn't have the depth to really have a conversation. And that's really the key of the human part of it is you get to have a conversation and and it's not one size fits all where you answer this questionnaire this way and this is the result. So those are some of the examples uh, of some of sort of the general apps that kind of bubble up on on searches periodically or or pretty consistently. And I'll give you some examples of of tools or 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 resources that I do think are very valuable. Uh, and and I'll give a plug even for uh, Capital One here. They they come up on searches as a good credit card to have. Uh, they have good features. They have low cost. They have you know good uh, cashback features or things like that. And they tend to come up uh, as does Chase and some others. They tend to come up on, on a search uh, pretty well. But the reason I bring them up is that. 
They also have banking. So they have a uh, just a regular checking-like account. And their app provides a lot of very useful resources. One is you can just do your bill pay right from, from the app. And that a lot of banks have that. And I think now you're starting to get where the technology interfaces with our daily lives rather than driving some larger more complex investing and long-term decision-making. That's where I think the technology is a little bit problematic or can lead us down that shiny object uh, and draw us away from uh, keeping our attention on what matters to our plan. So with the Capital One app there, you can pay right online. Uh, you can interface that with your credit card and you really can see a lot right there in that aspect. So there is an example of an app that's very focused on what they do. They have the credit card, they have the bank, they have the bill pay. And it's all right there, and it's very seamless, and it's very easy to use, and and it's right there on your phone. If a, you know, you can just pay a bill right there on the spot if that's what you want to do. So that's a good example, and that's where I think technology really has a lot of value: is saving us a lot of time and bringing a lot of uh, organization where that information then can also be brought into other technologies that are very helpful. Credit Karma is another app that's good for people who are starting out. And this is one where you're getting information and educated on how to improve your credit score. And it gives you access to that, to that credit score. And there's different levels of use of that. Uh, so going back to Capital One and many of the banks, they have now begun also to write on their dashboard, provide just a, uh, a running uh, credit score uh, from the major agencies. And I think that's also very useful because... A, it gives you, you know, kind of an update and you see how strong your, your, your credit score is. And that's an important aspect to your financial plan. But you'll also see that it will ebb and flow. But if, you know, if you have good credit, it'll probably stay, you know, in a, in a good place, but you'll see that it'll go up and down and you might be like, Oh, what, what happened there? Why did that happen? And I think just being tuned into that helps you understand how your, how your spending behavior and your, uh, borrowing habits and your credit card habits affect how others or how agencies perceive you uh, as a credit worthy person. And, and what I think it also does is it helps you recognize that it might get you to take a second look at what you're actually spending. And that's really where I believe the technology does the most is where it can help you track your spending. And I have said this countless times here on our podcast is I believe that knowing what you're spending is what matters the most. And it you, people come and they they hear the word budget or they think I'm talking about the word budget and they're afraid that budget means they're going to have to be told where they have to cut. And that's not what a budget is. I think most people want to go through their lives being able to save and invest and pay their bills and not really have to worry about it. You want to go out to dinner and have a good time and not have to worry about it. So it's not about trying to spend less and less and being ultra frugal, but it's also being able to be responsible and having you know a good flow and a good manage of assets. And knowing what you spend is so important because your long-term savings the end goal of all of that for retirement is to have enough so that you can tell your boss you quit and so that you can live life without a paycheck. And if you don't know what your spending habits are, if you don't know what your lifestyle costs, it's very hard then to know for sure with confidence that you have accumulated uh, a, you know, a, a, a supporting asset base along with other reliable income sources you'll have later in life. And so this is really where I think when I meet people who are, tend to be more halfway across the bridge 
the one most common thing that they struggle with is I say, what's your lifestyle cost? And like, I don't know, the money comes in, the paycheck comes in and I take care of life and everything is fine. And well, what? how are we going to know that that's enough? And so I think some of these tools that keep track of that, uh, one that I believe uh, very strongly about uh, is called YNAB. You need, it's YNAB is you need a budget, Y-N-A-B. And this also comes up typically at a high, if you're looking for a budgeting or a spending or an accounting kind of software just for households. Uh, the other one that comes up often is Mint. And Mint is one that is free. And YNAB, I think, is $100 a, a year. And the reason that I I talk about YNABs more than, say, Mint is Mint, I think it tries to do a little too much. It tries to be your balance sheet and your investing tool and a little bit of those other things, as well as being your, your ledger. And it's also free. So it's constantly giving you ideas of what you should buy, what credit card you should get, uh, you know, um, where you should maybe think about opening an investment account or buy life insurance. It's That's kind of in your face a little bit too much is would be my knock against that, but it is free. The reason I like YNAB is it that's all it is. And the educational resources on YNAB are very, very strong. So if you really want to get in the weeds and learn their concept of how to manage and budget assets and and what their goal is to have you, all the money you're making this month is to pay the bills next month. So you're always uh, you know, a month ahead like that. And there's a way for them to educate you on how to get there. But all of these things come together. So I talked about the Capital One. So the Capital One credit card can feed into that. Your checking account can feed into that. And so you can keep track of where all of that spending is going. And you have a very good tool to really manage what you're spending throughout your lifetime. And that gives you, when someone says to you, you, you get halfway across your bridge and you meet with a financial planner and the technology has gotten too focused and not human enough, and you have to have that conversation, that's a question you're going to want to be able to put your arms around a little bit and be able to answer. And so getting that and building those good habits, I think, is a, is a really good resource. At the end of the day, having a conversation, I can't stress, is so important. So these tools, while they're helpful, you need to be having a conversation with your significant other, with your financial advisor, with friends and family. The Wall Street Journal just published an article about being overconfident as an investor. And those who talk to an advisor and those who talk to their family tend not to be overconfident. And those who are doing things on their own tend to have a higher degree of overconfidence. And that's not a good thing. That's where you don't realize the risk that you're taking or you don't realize or the risk that you're taking can really come back to, to, to bite you a little bit. And so that's, I can't stress enough. So if you're going to cross your financial bridge, do it in an organized way, dabble with some of the, some of the technological resources that are there, but really stay hyper-focused on what matters most to you and don't let the technology draw you down into the shiny object syndrome. So if you'd like to know more about how we work with the My Financial Bridge process and just have a conversation with us about how you're using any of these technological resources, I'm happy to always have a conversation. You can find us at goodfinancial.com. Uh, you can download our book at uh, tellyourbossiquitbook.com. And uh, please remember to follow and like and share and tell others about our podcast, Tell Your Boss I Quit. And for next time, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to Tell Your Boss I Quit. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
To learn more about defining your financial purpose and how you can thrive and not sacrifice your spending in retirement, download Tell Your Boss I Quit by Pete Goodekinst. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc., Goot Financial Services, is not a broker, dealer, and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.